Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. I'm a mentor, four times author, leader of my Bold Darling Mastermind for female entrepreneurs, retreat host, and I've gotten to host this podcast for five years. As with all of my work, this show is to serve female entrepreneurs who want to optimize their energy and their mindsets in order to build the businesses and lives of their dreams. I've walked this entrepreneurial path for 11 years now, and I can tell you that there is a way to have a business you love and still have the space and time for all the other parts of your life that make you, you. Whether your number one priority right now is to scale your business, upgrade your finances, rediscover yourself, find more energy, get more organized, reconnect with yourself, or build a life and or business that's more aligned for you, or all of the above, I am here as your guide on the show to help you make it a reality. Listen in on my dulcet Irish tones as I share tales from the front line of my business and mentoring, behind the scenes insights on how I'm approaching life and business, and speak with brilliant expert guests. Search The Lorraine Murphy Show wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode drops every Friday. Subscribe to make sure you always catch the freshest episodes. Let's dive in to this week's show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. Now, before I dive into this week's episode, I wanted to share with you a very, very exciting event that's coming up in February next year. So if you have been following for a while, you will know that in this year, 2023, we have been living in Spain. So my opportunities to see people in real life has been very, very limited. So pretty much the first thing that I wanted to create when I get back to Australia in January is a two-day love-in for business owners. So I am going to be hosting a new event concept for me. It's called the Bold Brilliance Strategy Retreat, and it's happening in Sydney. So it's a two-day non-resident non-residential retreat is that what I would say and it's a super special in-person event and what I'm sharing over these two days is the most golden nuggets from my one-on-one mentoring these are the insights that can change your perspective and your business overnight I'm really seeing this as an immersive experience that will enable you to both see step one and also feel step two the power of your potential and the potential of your business and take real steps towards realizing that potential all with an intimate group of fellow like-minded entrepreneurs. So this is really the event for you if you feel like you're stuck on the hamster wheel of same shit different day in your business and are ready to break out to that next level. If you've maybe been looking to scale for a while and haven't quite gotten that traction you want just yet, you want clarity on how to design your business, or you're in need of a Lorraine-style strategic and energetic kickstart. So this really is going to be the best way to set you up for a kick-arse 2024 in your business. So it's over two days. There are two levels of ticket prices. So there's a standard ticket and also a VIP ticket, which I've never done before and I'm very excited to do. It is happening in mid-February and you can find all the details on my website and I'll also pop a link in the show notes as well. So tickets are absolutely limited on that one because I'm really keen on having an intimate group that I feel like I can give everyone in the group some TLC over those two days. So yeah, jump to the link in the show notes if you'd like to be part of that. I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Hello and welcome to the last 
episode in my mini series on the debrief of my Bali retreat. Now, before I jump in, I want to let you know that I have got you covered for your 2024 goal setting. You can get all my goal setting templates. If you follow me for a while, you know that I'm very, very passionate about goal setting. You can get all my goal setting templates in my goal setting and goal getting playbook. And I'm also including a bonus audio mentoring pack valued at $29. So in that is pep talks, visualizations, audio mentoring guides, just to really set you up for your best year yet next year. You can nab yours at lorrainemurphy.com.au forward slash playbook hyphen 2024. And I'll pop the link in the show notes as well. All right, let's get into this week's episode. So this week on the show, I am, as I said, sharing the third and final part of my Bali retreat debrief. And I'm delighted that Jimmy Doyle, our healer in residence on the retreat, and also one of my most popular past guests, is returning to share the healing side of the experience. Myself and Jimmy's intention with this conversation is to really pass on some of the greatest lessons and insights from the retreat. So you get to learn from it too, and hopefully help you feel seen and, as you will hear, empowered for any challenges or blocks that you may be experiencing in your own life or business right now. In myself and Jimmy's conversation, we cover what he actually does. This is the, after what are Jimmy's details, this is the number one question that I get about him. His philosophy of knowing yourself to be yourself, really, really potent one. The most common challenges he saw within my retreat group, this is fascinating, his explanation for bloating, why healing isn't about changing ourselves, but instead loving and protecting ourselves, and also the simple tool that we can all use to amplify our intuition and protect our energy. I use this one every single day from all my years of working with Jimmy. It's, it's hardwired into me at this point. And I also just want to say, as part of this episode, there is a bit of a trigger warning around sexual and physical abuse. Uh, Just a couple of stories that Jimmy shares from clients, not as part of my retreat group, but he shares a couple of anecdotal stories. So I just wanted to flag that with you as well. So let's bring on Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. Welcome back on the show. Hi, Lorraine. Well, lovely to be back as always. Lovely to uh, see your face and your smiling voice. I'm so excited to chat to you. I didn't actually tell you when I saw you last time, so I went to see you with my bestie Stace, and then the week after you came on my retreat. But Stace and I were in Ubud at Yoga Barn, and we were sitting having lunch one day. And this lady, she just seemed really nice. She sat at the sofa opposite opposite to us, and she was having her lunch. And we kind of just commented on each other's food, and that was it. And then she actually messaged me on Instagram and said that she had booked in to see you. She had searched about you online, and she found my podcast interview with you. And then she realized that I was the woman that was sitting opposite her in yoga bar. <laughs> it was one of those lovely Bali magic moments. That's the law of attraction, darling. We, yeah, uh, yeah. We write for things that come to us in the right space. It's uh, not a coincidence. It's about the law of attraction. That's yeah. actually how I work with what I do with work. And I work in what you say is what you attract. And that's why we've got to be very careful what we say is because as soon as we say it, even if we're being facetious and we're joking, we're still going to attract it. And that's a simple one of saying every June I get a cold, Get ready on the 1st of June. You're going to get a cold because you're programming it. Yeah. And we've got to be careful about what we think and what we say. Yeah. And, uh, because what we say is what we're going to attract. The more positive we are, the more we attract positive to us. And uh, because you're such a positive girl, you'll attract all those people around you who need that guidance in that direction as well. So 
Yeah. Yeah. So true. I often find when I'm looking for parking and there's no parking and I'm saying to myself, there's no parking. Oh my God, there's never any parking. There's never any parking. And I catch myself and say, there's a perfect park. There's, you know, in Australia, we say park in Ireland, we say parking. There's plenty of parking. There's plenty of parking. And every single time within a couple of minutes, I find a park. It's one of those things. Yeah, you're right. What you say is what is the reality you then create. Would you mind, Jimmy? So if anyone hasn't had the pleasure of hearing me talk about you before, hasn't heard you on the previous episode that you did with me on the show, could you explain a little bit about how you actually work? Because it's the biggest question I get about you whenever anyone's asking about the work that you do. So the perception when people first walk in the room, there's a massage table and that freaks me out a little bit because they say, I didn't want a massage. I'm not a massage therapist. That was actually how I started 40 years ago. Was in deep tissue massage, ligament, tendon, organ adjustment. So, what I describe myself as a body mind therapist, what I do is to use ligament, tendon, organ adjustment, and acupressure, correlating with pain and things that people have in their body. But it's my first question I always ask people, How can I help you? Are you in pain? And the most common thing people say to me back home, I'm not in physical pain, I'm in emotional pain. Mm. My reason for asking questions about physical pain, because it always relates to what the emotional pain was about, because every part of your body has a relevance then of what your emotional pain is about. But we just look at it and we've been programmed to look at it physically. You know, I slipped over and I hurt my knee. I've got a headache. I've got a sore shoulder. I don't go to the toilet properly. Okay, when they're all there, they're because of emotional conditions in your body. So what I do in my therapy is, whether it be on FaceTime or with touching people, either they touch themselves or I, I will touch them, in spots in the body. I get them to say word patterns out loud. Now, when they say these, generally, they're quite uncomfortable saying them. They're very positive things they say, but it's just not easy for them to say because it's not their program. So when they're saying these positive things, their head's thinking, well, that's nonsense. I don't believe that. That's really not true. But it's what they should, that generally, especially with women, they intuitively know that's how they should think, but they generally don't think that mm. way. So this pattern then brings that to them. So so just to be clear, Jamie, where you know, let's say I'm experiencing pain in my shoulder. And that's because my programming is negative about. So for example, and sh- shoulders about having a burden in life, isn't it carrying a burden in life? Yeah. There's two things to go with it. So specifically gender re- relates a lot to where the pain is left side being female, right side being male. So it's not saying you're masculine or you're feminine. It's to do with men, to do with women. So left side pain is generally when a female is either burdened by her attitude or burdened by other females' attitudes mm-hmm. that causes that left shoulder pain. That also then has relevance to organs in the body, such as that left side from two-thirds of your neckline, front and back to the left end of your left shoulder, and your shoulder blade coincides with your lungs. So then I talk about emotions attached to them. So lungs are about sadness, grief, anguish, abandonment, guilt, anxiety. Can be all of them, can be one of them, and that's, again, what overrides people. They say, I'm not anxious. Okay, well, if that's what you're not, then that's what you're not, but the other five things you are. Mm. So it's, it's getting to the point where you start to, Know yourself. So there's two things that go with the shoulders that are not, not gender specific. One is the left shoulder is saying there's guilt about responsibility to know yourself so you can, we can be ourselves. And most of this world's program is to please everyone else and to do what they want you to do. So that stops us then knowing ourselves to be ourselves. But if we also don't understand ourselves, why that pain's there, then we're also not going to heal it because we have guilt about that responsibility. Right shoulder is guilt about gaining for yourself in everything that you do, and whether that's wealth, whether it's status, whether it's peace, love, happiness, joy, that's our responsibility to never feel guilty about gaining for ourselves and everything we do. So that's two things that just go with the shoulders. Shoulders are really common problems as low backs are. So if you're saying to me to say, you know, this particular statement in order to heal that pain, 
that's going to feel really uncomfortable for me because I've actually been running the opposite program, like literally the very opposite program. And that's where the discomfort comes in for clients. So if you look at the statement you're going to say about your left shoulder, what you would say is all my experiences in life as a female and with females are joyful and loving. I choose to make it that way. Now, of course, you're going to go, well, that's not true. With mum yesterday, it was horrible. With my sister the other day, it was this. With my colleague, it was awful like this. So that's the difficulty of saying this thing because it's not exactly true what you're saying. But I then will say to people, okay, is that not the program you should have in your head that you should have all your experiences being joyful and loving? And of course, I go, of course. Okay, so then comes to the other little part of the therapy work, work with Miss. You say that statement while I'm holding the trigger or they're holding the trigger themselves, they'll instantly feel physical change because mm. that statement changes the pattern. As it changes the pattern, it changes the physical block. And it really isn't any more complicated than that. And unfortunately, we're programming, it needs to be complicated. It's mm. not complicated. It's just knowing what it is. I then will get them to, to say, I choose to make it that way, all said out loud. That's the discomfort in this. On FaceTime, it's a little more challenging than what on the table is because FaceTime, they've got to look into their eyes as they're doing it. That's when they yeah, realize that. the mirror work comes in, yes. Mirror work, exactly right. And constantly that time in, in FaceTime, I'm getting, come on, open your eyes, look in your eyes as you say that. Don't look away. Come back and look yeah, in your eyes and do it. Yeah, yeah. That's the confrontation. That's why when they go home, these little statements I get them to do to keep putting the work into this work is to get in front of the mirror and say the words. Now, you feel stupid, you feel silly, but the fact is they're positive things you're saying, and the more you say them, the more they become your program. I liken it to when people would first go to school and they learn their two times tables. And of course, as kids, you don't know what you're learning your two times tables for. You go home and you, you know, like a parrot, just go over, you know, two ones or two, two twos or four. Three months later, someone will say to you, two fours, and you'll go eight because you program it in there. This is no different when you're doing these little patterns. What I also do, because I work with people all over the world, is a lot of programs are done in mother tongue. Now, everyone doesn't speak English. So this is also the deal when they do it in their mother tongue, they'll either not be able to translate the simple word of safety or joy or love, um, they'll get stuck on it. And it's not because they don't know their mother tongue. Of course they do, but that program was not put into them as children. So therefore they can't say that pattern out loud when they're saying it. So therefore it becomes uncomfortable to say again, or they can't translate it. So of course I have a translator here and I'll say, this is the word. And I'll go, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. If it's in English, what I find often with them, they all of a sudden don't hear what I'm saying, or I speak too fast or I'm not clear. I mean, I, I mumble the same all the time. You've known me for a long time. I speak fast, I mumble, but the fact is you hear what I'm saying. So the point in the same when the program's not there, either they can't translate it or they can't say it, or when they get in front of the mirror and do it, they'll feel absolutely stupid and they won't do it. Now, that's the challenge in this stuff is actually knowing yourself to be yourself. So as they're saying that, then what I get them to do when the negative comes, this little method of protection, and that's about putting your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Now, there's a little thing if, you, if people Google up, the 10th connection, that's what the 10th connection is, this little point two and a half centimetres from the back of your teeth. It connects to your third eye. There's a physical bone that goes from that point to the bottom of your brain and on top of that sits your pineal gland. And pineal gland is your third eye. Now, all women are gifted with the power of their third eye, wisdom, insight, intuition, gut feeling. But the problem is they choose not to listen to it. Us poor old men, our egos get in the way and we choose not to learn it. We're not gifted with the same as women are. That's why your mothers and we're not. That's why any woman can look at any child, whether they have children or not. They'll know if that child's sick, hungry, or tired because they have those gifts. Men, you say the same thing to them. Their shoulders just shrug and go, I don't know. They're just crying. Just the, good, because you're seeing your power, because mm-hmm. you're a mummy duck, and you understand these little things you have. It's also why women know when men cheat without any evidence. 
I go back to one of my first clients that I treated, and, and I was a very young man of 26, and asked her how I could help her. And the first thing she said, my partner's cheating. And I said, really? And I'm wondering what I think I, I can do about that. I can't do anything about that. But I was very intrigued because it was long before Google and before all these um, social media things come out and people had mobile phones, so there was evidence of it. And so I asked her, how did you know? And she squared my eyes up and she looked and she said, I'm a woman. That was my first understanding of actually how powerful women are. Women know before shit's happened, they know. Mm. And they speak with their women. But unfortunately, they don't trust, they listen to their heart, not necessarily their third eye. The third eye does not tell lies. The heart often tells lies. So, because we desire to be in love. So, you know, that's why people accept mistreatment, abuse, and disrespect. It's because they desire to be in love. Instead of listening to their power saying, probably you shouldn't be there. You probably should be with someone else. Mm. That's how there's so many silly relationships in the world where people deal with stuff where it's not of that high vibration. And uh, we've all got the choices, you know, doing that. But we've got to start to, that left shoulder again, know ourselves to be ourselves, but not feel guilty about it. Then we actually start to, do what we're supposed to be in this world is to vibrate as high as we can for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Once we do that, then we're actually attaining the riches of life, which is peace, love, joy, and happiness, not things we're programmed about. We need to have a million dollars. We need to have five houses. And, and our rich people own peace, love, joy, and happiness. And that's the commodities we try and earn in life. Mm-hmm. They're not that easy to find, but the fact is our third eye will help us get to those little patterns. And after 40 years of using my tongue, I know that's actually why I can use those attributes that women have of that wisdom inside intuition because I've used my tongue. Mm. So people start to use it. They also realize sensitivity that comes by touching that little point because it connects and allows that power of your third eye to be. So could you describe what the point is, Jimmy, because I'm doing it right now. I mean, and I've worked with you for so many years that it's actually automatic now. If I start to feel like an emotional charge with something someone has done or a situation I'm in. It's just, I don't even realize I'm doing it now. And I go, oh, look, I'm doing what Jimmy told me. So can you just describe to people how they find the spot in their mouth? So this little thing is, so this is a desert. Can you, if you Google, it's called the 10th connection, but what it is, it's two and a half centimeters from the back of your teeth. Now, again, you don't be pedantic and it has to be exactly that, put a a tape measure in there. Approximately, (laughs) everyone's mouth slightly different, but Approximately two and a half centimetres from the top of the back of your teeth, if you go over that little ridge behind your teeth, as it starts to curve up your palate, if you just connect your tongue approximately that distance, you'll find it should be sensitive and ticklish. Now, most people are not because this is not connected, but the more they touch it, the more they feel it. Most women, when they touch it, they'll say that. Some men have already got it, but most people just don't pay attention to it. So that it's used in sleep, stress, connection, protection, meditation. It's used for a lot of different things. And I encourage people also when they meditate to put their tongue there because that stops the voices in your head, which is exactly what meditation is about, lengthening the gap between the thoughts, not to bring visions in, not to put blue lights in your head, not to put God in your head. It's to teach you how to lengthen the gap between the thoughts. So once it's learned also in meditation, it teaches you how to put your tongue there for long periods of time without being uncomfortable, without Mm. forcing it there because you start to connect and protect and that's what makes the meditation more powerful because you still those other voices. So using it in the big world, you're protecting and connecting yourself from those situations that you understand, and, and especially in professional business, you've got to deal with a lot of nonsense there that you don't particularly like, but you've got to be just as professional with the ones you do like as the ones you don't like, because that's how it is with family. At times we've got to protect ourselves when stuff that, because they're family, we tolerate them doing things we would never let anyone else do to us. So again, you learn to use your time. Mm. 
So that point for me, how I identified is it's like where the bony bit of my palate turns into that spongy bit. It's that meeting point. Have I got it? Um, you're probably too far back if you're there. Two and a half centimeters from the back of your teeth. Look on the end of your finger. That end of your finger is approximately one inch or two and a half centimeters. Put it in your mouth behind your teeth and just measure where the end of it goes. So this is a lot about intent, Lorraine. That's also the point is we get too pedantic of having to be exactly on the spot. It's like acupressure points. Intent is really powerful. When you intend to connect and protect, so when I first learned it, there was no such thing as Google. So I just did what, that's where you taught is where I first taught you because that was before I really was pushed in the corner about Googling it up and actually seeing, oh, there is actually a point that does this. Just the first person who taught me about it was not that pedantic about it. So I touched that, but you said where the hard skin goes to soft. But if you come back to the point where it's just behind your teeth and as that ridge starts to go up in your palate, you realise how comfortable it is to put there. It's not that mm, comfortable. Shot. Yeah, it's much more comfortable. Yeah. Much more. But see, the fact is I was like, I like to do things hard. So, yeah. and I didn't do But it wasn't until some young lady started saying, how do you know this? How do you know this? So I, like everyone else, Googled it up and I was quite surprised how many things it's used for and now how much information was there on it. It's actually used in a lot of different techniques. Yeah. Kundalini raising or harder building is one of the techniques yes. that meditation that's where I came across it as well, actually, in a Kundalini class in Bali. Yeah. So essentially, so I love how you summarize that because it's such a powerful point. And it's really about connecting you with your own power and your own intuition. Yeah, yeah. And then also protecting you from maybe the energy or what's coming your way from, from other situations or people. So what I say to people, the beauty of it, when you're doing it, your mouth's closed. Nobody knows you're doing it. But you still see, you still hear. But as it makes this circuit of energy in your chakras, it connects them all together. And that's why it's used in meditation is because then you still see in here, but you're not allowing the emotive thing that causes you to get that block in your shoulder. So when you're burdening yourself with attitude, up goes your tongue, because it's not just against situations. It's also against your head because our head creates most of these stories. So by putting your tongue up there, it also negates those other dark voices that come to sabotage you and uh, tell you inadequate, unworthy, all the silly nonsense we hear. But the more you touch it, the less those voices get the airplay. So therefore it stops the memory pattern going back to that physical part where the pain is in your body. But here again, it's going back to that left shoulder, knowing yourself to be yourself. You've got to know who you are and what your vulnerable qualities are, not to change them. An example would be ankles. Ankles are a really common problem with people's, and they'll click or they'll, when I roll their ligaments, they're hard, and they'll say they don't have problems. But ankles are about receiving pleasure. It's when we have guilt or inflexibility about receiving it. Now, most people have no problems giving pleasure, but most have issues about receiving pleasure. So I understand that was that's one of my little vulnerable things. I don't really receive that easily. So I just know if someone's going to give me a gift or a compliment, I make sure my tongue's up so I don't let the block come to my ankles to cause my ankles to swell or to make them click or to get painful. But it's knowing yourself to be yourself. And this is the hard little journey is getting to understand who you are and stop trying to please everyone else about who they want you to be, mm. which is not that easy for people to say or hear because until – that lovely ripe age of 40 comes to us most of the years before trying to please others, get their approval, get their appreciation, get their acceptance. And uh, your job is to do that for yourself. And that's not that easy to do because it's not how we're programmed. Yeah. It's and I think that was such a theme with, you know, obviously people, you know, some, some of the guests on my retreat in October chose to share, like they wanted to talk to me about what had come up in the session with you. And that definitely seems to be a common theme. It's a really common one. So just to explain your role on my retreat in October. So you are a healer in residence. So you came to the retreat. Were you there four days? It was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Were you there, wasn't it? Yeah, four, four, four afternoons. Uh, quite yeah. lovely. So in that little point, I mean, it was like all things, that 
The purpose of that was actually for, to empower that group of 17 women. That's wonderful things to do. And that's what you go and, and lead them do through lots of different modalities. Okay, so I've become part of that little connection, which I do in, with lots of different people um, that we work with. But whether I'm working there or working here, I don't apply myself any differently. I do the same procedure with everyone, ask how I can help, because they will describe what I do. So they had a little insight to what I do. But it's quite interesting because the things will be common in all people where there'll be common things about shoulder problems, sleep problems, bowel problems. Bloating is a really common one that hits with people and everyone then starts questioning their diet and how much water they drink and how much activities they do. And small intestine is, well, bloating is a really interesting one. It's about accumulation of your emotions in your small intestine. Therefore, no empathy, honesty, knowing or anything to do with your business. And that's not your business of money. That's your business of emotions. And here's what our silly world's taught us to, is to kill your emotions, to stop being emotional. And we're allowed to laugh. We can laugh as hard as we want, but don't dare cry. Mm-hmm. Don't dare frown. Don't dare show your emotions. Don't dare show your anxiety because we're considered to be weak with it. And that's why bloating is such a common thing. It's because we accumulate the emotions there. And if people start to understand they're doing it, their job is then to know themselves, to be themselves. So when those emotions are there, sure, experience them. But if you're in a situation where you're not comfortable with listening, then you've got to learn to put your tongue up. So you get to know yourself, to be yourself. So you connect and protect yourself from letting these physical things come and invade you or cause problems to you. And here's the problem we were taught. It has to be so complicated. It's not complicated. The complication is actually getting to know yourself because that's not what you're programmed to do. Again, you're told you're egotistical, you're selfish, you're full of yourself. You're actually just learning to be centered. And that's why from 40 on, it changes in most cases. is because people stop caring quite so much what others think and start focusing on what they think. Now, you had a, a multitude of age groups in there where there was from that younger group to the older group, which the older ones certainly had got to that place, but still were stuck with some of those programs. And the beauty of them all, they're excited to look at a different way of doing things because I'm not saying what I do is right or wrong, but I say to people, you have nothing to lose by doing these things. Mm. By doing it, you've got a lot to gain by them, by losing these conditions that cause you to take medications, to miss your sleep, to be constipated, to have diarrhea, just to learn to understand yourself is what they're there. Two people that I use, I mean, I've had a lot of different mentors in my life for 40 years of doing this work. The two particular books that I use, which are great for your people to go and gain for themselves so they can get a bit of um, their own knowledge about this and own direction of it. One is the lovely Louise Hay. She's written many books, but the book I particularly encourage people to get is Heal Your Body. Mm-hmm. So she's written a lot of books and a lot of people will have Heal Your Life. This little book is in the back of it, but it's not as complete as buying the Heal Your Body. It goes through every vertebrae in your body. It'll talk about the physical areas that controls on your body, the effects it has on your body physically, but also then goes into the emotions of it. And that's the challenging part of it. So we can see, oh, that's the sickness I get. That's because I'm, you know, grinding myself down, biting off more than I can chew, taking the blame for things that are not mine. So we start to correlate the physical pain with what the emotional situation is. Then we understand, okay, that's what I've got to protect myself from, not change myself, but learn to protect myself. Because we all think we have to change. The truth is all of us are in perfection as we are because that's what makes us individually, humanly perfect. No two people are the same. We might look the same. We might sound the same. As you uh, listen to my four brothers, you'd have to look at each one of us to see which one's talking because we all sound exactly the same. My daughters, when they talk, 
I could actually let them talk for a little bit till start going, oh, that's this one, that's this one, because they sound mm-hmm. the same. Um, they look similar, they don't look the same. But the fact is we're all our own person, but we're all still then dealt with programs that come from history, from society, from DNA, from religion. They all have a bearing on us. And some of those programs are beautiful. Some are absolutely stupid. We're still programmed that way. So what you're saying, Jimmy, is to release the the pressure that we put upon ourselves to change and instead focus on protecting ourselves. Loving ourselves. Mm. If you keep the thing I do, if you ask all your, all your attendees to the um, retreat, one of the things that I gave every single person was to put on the mirror, to, as they looked in the mirror, to say, I love and approve of myself. I love and accept myself. I love and appreciate myself. Because then you start to learn for your approval, your acceptance, your appreciation, not off everyone else, which is how we're programmed to do, especially as a younger age. That's how we get accepted. You're saying, I love and accept myself instead of waiting for that particular group to invite you in to accept you because you've learned how to do it yourself. I have a little boy who's five and he has watched daddy do that every day because he comes in the shower with me as well in the, the morning or brushes his teeth at the same time. He's watched his daddy do that every day. He just does it himself. And I've never said to him, Billy, you need to do this. He does it. But unfortunately, my girls were little. I didn't know that. So I didn't actually offer them that program. As adults, they certainly know it. But they didn't know as a little people. So this is the point as parents. We do the best we can. But our job is we're programming them. So we've got to be careful. They see and hear everything we do. So we've got to be careful to be almost on our best behavior so that what we're showing them, we're showing them the best side of ourselves which is not always the case. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> at this age to what it was as a 20-year-old is very different. So the other one is The Body is the Barometer of the Soul. It's by an Australian woman named Anna Nertil. Now, she works a little differently. Louise Hay works on peace, love, and joy. And then Nertil works on spirit and energy. So her book is a little different. She still goes through and itemizes what conditions are caused by thought patterns. But what she also then relates them to the, the chakras of each part of your body. So she'll go through every physical bone in your body, whether it be your little toe, your little finger, your third vertebrae, your skull, and she will colour them. They're coloured in um, a colour scheme which relates to the chakras. And then so there'll be a definition about the chakra, the position of the body it's related to, and the emotion it's related to. So, But it, it's different where Louise Hay will give you an affirmation. And it entails a bit more of a realist and confronts you with, Here's what you are. What do you do with that? Now, neither of them talk about protection. This, again, as I said, there's lots of different modalities that 40 years of doing this has opened up, and I use little bits of all of them. But both as women, i got to say, um, I always will concur with looking at, if people say, well, that's not me, then, you know, well, I'll look at the other one. And there might be a slightly different twist. They're very similar. But just one, and at Nintels was done in the 90s, and where Louise Hayes was done in, in the 70s. And people often ask, how would they know that? Well, Clearly, there's a level of matrix that certain people vibrate at that um, they downloaded that information. So it's not yeah, like divine download. That sounds great. Exactly. This is the ones that these high vibrations. And thank the universe we have people like this that actually then share it with the rest of us. And then I can be a facilitator and share that with others. And then they'll share that with others. And, you know, in my working life, I've probably treated around probably 80,000 people. But in the big picture of, of 7.5 billion out of the world, it's a, a very sp- small percentage. So our deal is to try and do like what you're doing here is to share the word to so more and more people get to understand it and then they share it and they share it and then we start to become more owning and responsible for our own outcomes instead of you'll fix this up for me. I'll go to this person, the healer. 
Yeah, we, we become the healer for ourselves. I just want to touch on something because I interviewed Claire, as I told you earlier, who was the spiritual guide in the retreat earlier on today. And I said to her something that I noticed in the group from day one, the difference between them on day one and them on day six was, and we talked about lots of different differences that we had seen and experienced with the group, but a lot of them looked so much thinner, like they just looked skinnier. And I just looked around the group on the last day and went, holy shit, like people looked like they had lost a lot of weight. And this was not a weight loss retreat, of course. But I said to Claire, I realized that it was probably like energetic stuff that they had let go. And when you talked about the bloating and how that was such a common issue, you know, not just in my group, but more broadly, that makes more sense to me. Does that make sense to you? Of course, that's because that's what you got them for. Because what you did was get them to be really honest with their emotions. Because mm. you that's part of coaching and guiding is actually saying, well, here's what's going on here. And of course, they'll go, yes, and they'll cry or they'll get angry or they'll get frustrated. So they start to release that emotions. Which reduces the bloating. Of course. And they may not have even realized they were bloated in the first place. And I was probably bloated. <laughs> I think on the retreat as well. Well, we all protect. And that's the little point is because at times where, especially as a leader, that's something where you're not to show these vulnerable qualities. And that's where to work out it doesn't matter who we are and how powerful we vibrate. We're all exposed to the same things. And just some of us manage them better than others. That's all. But that's the idea of sharing it. But that's a great observation you just had there. And that's why. Collective group retreats are great because not only when they're in the in the group sessions or doing the individual healing, that group is constantly working on their stuff where they'll talk about things they won't talk about in their normal lifetime. Mm. They'll talk about their feelings. So what they're doing now is that, remember I said that the accumulation of emotions in the small intestine, therefore no empathy, honesty, knowing, or anything to do with your business. Now, they would have started to be honest because they were in a safe place where they could share that without being judged, without being told they were weak, because everyone was there for the same thing. That's mm-hmm. why they collect groups of what is done in, in retreats especially, is because the energy is built by the whole, that's the idea they're there for. They're all there for the same purpose, to vibrate higher. But they actually, besides the little things you include there by what you do in guidance or what are the people you include in there, they're also doing it themselves, so they start learning to take it back home with them because that's what they get out of it. They get these new little tools and techniques that if they choose to use them, they start to vibrate at their best level. Then they start loving you. Yeah, so much overlap between what Claire and I spoke about today. So, Jimmy, you mentioned you've worked with like 80,000 people, like you've done a huge amount of you know group work and individual work. How did, I guess, the kind of the subset of the group of women that you did treatments with on my retreat? So you saw 16 women. Claire also saw you. I saw you the week before. What would you say, and you know, maybe every everyone was like completely average, would you say that there were slightly a different, a slightly different set of challenges or blocks or symptoms or experiences that you saw come up consistently within that subset of my group versus kind of your more broader group of clients? I looked over my notes after you mentioned that that's what you want to ask me. I gotta tell you, there's I don't believe there's any consistency. There's just individual stuff that people go for individual reasons. Everyone won't go to the retreat for the same reason, but they'll all get the same outcome of the, mm. the peace, love, joy, and happiness. But what I said there was there was shoulder problems, there was sleep problems, there was bowel problems, there was bloating, but they're all common. But it's it's again, each individual is gonna have their own little journey and destiny they're going with. And and that means they've got different headspace in it. They'll all be there for the same reason. So I can't say it was honestly any different to what I treat people, you know, every day, what I've been doing for 40 years. 
people are people. Just we, we weren't people. special, is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> Everyone's saying, no, there's, there's no people special. I'm not special. You're not special. We're all people. <laughs> We're all the same as each other. And when we start to learn that nobody vibrates any higher than others, but the fact is what that collective group was a group who were going to do something about it. And they went to actually mm. gain knowledge about it. And that's the difference of what most people don't do, especially in a collective group. Um, it was interesting. So a little thing that was common there was most were burdened by females' attitudes, yet put themselves in a group of women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're going to be burdened by their attitude because that was probably a number one challenge for them to go and see, how do I manage this? How do I actually find myself being adequate and worthy here? How come we all pay the same money? We all go for the same reason, but some will squeak louder than others. Who is actually worthy of that? Nobody's more worthy. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they start learning that the value of themselves is just as valuable as anyone else. That's really powerful, Jimmy, because I actually had a really interesting chat with my own coach the week before the retreat began while I was in Bali. And we were talking about the sister wound. So there's obviously, I, I knew about the mother wound, but I hadn't really thought about the sister wound. And it's, you know, very, very small snapshot. It's when we have had maybe negative experiences with women, you know, peers in the past. So maybe it's, you know, friends at school or it's sisters or it's friends at university or colleagues or bosses, whatever it might be. And we're almost got this emotional scarring from, well, when I interact with other women, this is what happens. So maybe, you know, in extreme cases, maybe we were bullied. And what my coach was saying is that retreats are such a beautiful opportunity for women to heal that sister wound, you know, to be in an environment where, and I know this is definitely the case for some of the group that, that came to Bali last time, is that there's some women there who have never had that close gang of female friends, or maybe they're in business and they don't have any other friends who, female friends who are in business, and they feel very, very alone. So And I know also that a a couple of women were really nervous about, as you say, putting themselves in a situation whereby they were going to be with other women. And, you know, would they feel like they deserved inverted commas to be there? And, and, you know, something I was so incredibly grateful to see is just how quickly that group clicked and how, you know, it didn't matter if someone was the CEO of something or someone was at a crossroads in their career. Like it was very democratic. People really did connect. So I find it really interesting that you saw that come up in their bodies in the sessions and that they... Obviously, the work with you, but then the environment of being with supportive women and being able to be being with women where it was okay for them to express their emotions, how that would be healing in itself as well. That's really cool. Joking with saying you really don't deal with women that well. Why have you put yourself in this position? (laughs) Oh, I have done that. But then they started to realize of their adequacy and, and their worthiness, but how much stuff had not been. Just what you said there, healed before about groups of women, about mother, about sister, about their mm. girlfriends, about their colleagues, their clients. And to go and do that takes incredible courage. That's mm, that's what you really I really say, I'm ready to do something about this. I'm going to step out of the comfort zone here. And that's what, especially not just for an hour treatment, but you go and do it for a week. That's when you're really going to step out of the comfort zone. And that's what the group you have attracted, women who are ready to do that stuff, saying, I'm done with this. I'm going to actually find another way around this or at least going to try another way around this. So there's the uniqueness of what you create. Other than someone just coming in a, a session here, that would be the difference, I guess, is, is what collective groups are going to be or in a retreat is going to be compared to just going and getting an hour's therapy. There's lots of things that come out of, of, of self-worth, self-esteem, of self-love, about worthiness, about adequacy. And again, that's what we're all programmed not to have those things in ourselves. And that's what a retreat will especially provide because it's done not just on that hour that you're there, but it's done over a period of time where it starts to become a pattern. Just what we're talking about here is programs. Mm. And that's where you've got to realise that's what I described to you, energy comes, because you grow stronger and stronger as that group goes stronger and stronger as well. 
Yes. And they were. The collective power. As That's collective things of what we do. Everything. You, there's a little story about the wheel uh, being collective energy being developed on one side of the world. All of a sudden it's developed on the other side of the world. Yeah. There was no phones or televisions to put that. The collective energy put it so that allowed that creation of that thing to come. Yeah. So in this group, what you do with this, getting them to be their best self collectively puts that group around where they actually buzz off each other to go and get that stuff out of them. As I said, it takes a lot of courage to get out of just being on your own to do it, to doing it in a group. But there's 10 times more power that comes out of a group because there's so many diverse characters in there. You learn to be humble and you learn to be considerate and thoughtful and all those little things that you might not normally be. So it, it challenges our little ways. Mm. And the opportunity to see yourself in other people's stories as well. You know, that, that almost I've got the gift of having people as a mirror for you. That's a real good one where you actually hear, as I'll share often with people, because they think, oh, you don't have that problem. Man, I've had all the problems. But just the fact is, I worked with more, and they hear that you've had them. And a young guy said that to me the other day. Thank you for being honest and telling me that, you know, that meditation took you five years to get before your head was going to be a little bit stiller than you could actually deal with it. He said, because I've tried a number of times and I can't get there. I said, man, it doesn't matter who you are. This takes a process and we've got to yeah. trust the practice. And there again comes to another problem, back problems. As soon as we stop feeling supported, especially financially, or we feel fear in our career, or we question our sexuality, we have fear about pleasure, that all affects L4. So that's going to cause a lot of back problems. And we all fear finance. doesn't mean it's not there. We're taught to worry about it. One of the things I get people to say is, okay, how many times you worried about something, did it ever change? And of course, they say never. And I say, okay, change the trigger word. I have concern for financial support. I have concern for financial future. Then your clever head comes up with different ways about changing the pattern that we've put you there because worry is just going to make you worry. It doesn't change anything. Mm, it ch- changes the lens you look at life with, yeah. That's what you're doing. And until you hear it from another person's side, you think you're struggling on this all on your own. There's mm. again what groups do because people share together and that's not an easy thing to do. But it teaches them to realise, oh, I'm actually just the same as everyone else. I've got yeah. the same shit. It's not a weakness. It's just a part of being a human being. Mm. Yeah, being emotional. That's, you know, growing up as an Australian, um, men were taught they're not to cry. Mm. What a load of nonsense. Of course they cry. But, of course, you know, you're not considered that much of a man if you do. But there's other ones like of the Italian nature or South Americans. They're incredibly passionate people. Yeah. You know where their, their emotions outside their sleeve. Where, you know, the Swiss, the Dutch, the Australians, you know, they're very private on their emotions or very uncomfortable with their emotions. So, you know, just a lot about it's where we come from, as I said, in history, in society, in DNA, in religion, they all have bearings. But we've got to work out which are the good programs that work for us and pursue them. The ones that don't, then we just leave alone. If we liken our head to a computer, Lorraine, so it's like, you know, I'm a dinosaur and I joke too often about my lack of skills with computers, but... Our head's like a computer, so if the program is too slow, you simply delete the program, download a new program, agree with a new program, put your virus protector in there. So the thumb becomes the button on the pressing on the pointer that deletes the program. The words become the new program. I choose to make it that way as agreeing with the program, and I put my tongue to the roof of my mouth, becomes your virus protector. Yeah, 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 I love it. That's how we look after that beautiful computer in our head. Mm. And often people say to me when I ask them about a situation, they say, I don't remember. And I say, you just put that in a file. It's still in there. It's just in a file that's really hard to find. Mm. Big enough, put your tongue up there enough, it'll come out. That file comes out. Yeah. It's and can there. I touch we on that for a second, great. Jimmy? Because I often think when I see you and I go to your, your place in Seminyak, I feel like I've just left all this baggage behind. You know, you just get rid of it all. 
How far back, and just specifically with the group that you saw in Bali in, in my retreat, how far back generally do you find that that baggage went, if that makes sense? Like how old is it? It can go into Europe. It can go back to Europe. Wow. Then would be a young man who uh, gone and been sexual with a young lady and she's contacted him and told him she's pregnant. And he'll say, you better get an abortion. And, of course, the young lady's saying, I'm not doing that. And they end up getting married. What do you think happens to that little child? That little child heard that message of a father saying, I better kill you. That little child's been brought into the world because the mother is going to be a mother and she's not going to go on that way. And, of course, the young man goes and gets married. But, of course, that little child then will start seeking the father's approval because her first connection with that father was killer. So she's going to constantly be trying to get his attention, yeah. get his approval. Yeah, his yeah. So that he can go right back to utero. It can go back to any age, a little age where, you know, they went to school and everyone else had white socks on and they went to school with brown socks on. And they felt so inadequate or unworthy that that was the time they lost their comp or self-confidence was that little time in grade two when, you know, I watched my little boy, I put a pair of pants on him this morning that had a buckle on the front. It wasn't blue jeans. Daddy, I don't like these pants. Man, their pants are okay. I don't like these pants. So, you know, I understand. Okay, I'm not going to make you feel uncomfortable. That's what you want. I'll change your pants. So I understand this stuff. If you listen to what they're saying, they're telling you where their discomfort comes. But again, as most of us as parents, we're too busy because we've got so many other things to do. That's the difference of my age to what I was as a 20-year-old. I listened. And I didn't listen that much as a 20-year-old. Not because I ignored them. It was just because I was 20. That's the difference of it. And you can't change the past. And that's a reality of things. It's, it's a real thing that happened. Even some of these horrific things where there's rape and there's abuse and one young man his father his mother killed his brother and put an axe through his head he's a 35 year old man who's still trying to deal with what happened to his little boy and he still was to go back at that time and forgive his mother she killed herself and it was a horrific situation of um she torched herself on a train in front of all the commuters uh, so it was a quite Jeez, a horrific Sarah Joseph. oh my god okay oh, you know, this, is, this is the point this is how terrific some people's lives are but that young man is a delightful young man who's a really positive young man however he still has all these little issues that goes on. So he still was to go back at that situation as an eight-year-old boy and forgive his mother because I mean, she beat the living shit out of him with a baseball bat with a, after she killed his brother. And it was very difficult when we go back because when we think when we forgive, we're letting someone off the hook. We're not letting anyone off the hook. Forgiveness is a wonderful tool. Forgiveness says, I didn't like what happened. I don't agree with what happened. I don't ever want this to happen again. I'm done. I leave it back in the energy world. There's your end. Do what you want with it. I forgive you. Now, that's difficult to say because most people don't, you know, when they've been really physically hurt or raped or had horrible things, it's not, check Louise Hay's story out. That's what happened to her as a five-year-old. She was raped by, and 55, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Now, her wonderful so-called miracle didn't happen because of the miracle. Of course, she went back and forgave the little five-year-old, went forgave the perpetrator who raped her. But funny enough, at 55, her area of unease or disease with her body was created in her, her female genitalia and her, her uterus because that's where that emotion was suppressed. So her deal was to go back and forgive as the five-year-old. Now, once she did that, she so-called miraculously healed her. I mean, that's her story. Her story is quite interesting. And that's how come she got this, I guess, this vibration where she got these downloads of all these other energies that could come to and help her. But, you know, that's the point is it comes from, and I only work in this life, Lorraine. Often people talk about past life stuff. One of the, the modalities I did was theta healing. And one of the things they do, lots of past life stuff. I only currently operate in this life because I believe that's the only life that's relevant. That's the life you're living now. That's the life you can do stuff about now. The other stuff uh, sometimes are good stories and I'm not being disrespectful to them, but I've got to say 
I currently work on this life, but it starts from utero to an hour ago. Those problems can be in us all. And that's quite confronting to actually face. But, you know, how would you get around healing something that happened that age? I encourage people, you go back and you see yourself at that age, get yourself in front of a person in the energy world, find their eyes, look in their eyes and forgive them. It's amazing what it does about detaching these little things that manifest into illnesses and conditions. Cancer is one of those illnesses that has some deep secret sitting back there or some old hurt that sits there that just slowly eats them up. Forgiveness is quite powerful with those patients as well. However, people say when they do it with me, they're tokenly following what I'm getting to say. And I often say to them, don't do this to please me. This is about you detaching for you. So by all means, do it. But the fact is, don't do it if it's not what you want to do. You've got to understand what that whole process is about. As I keep saying, I facilitate. I'm the therapist. But when people do these things, they generally heal themselves. And it can be from as little as an ingrown toenail to cancer to a fertility problem to a bowel problem to a sleep problem. They're all emotionally driven. If we start to look at not what diet we do or what how much water we drink or how much sleep we got and start to understand this left shoulder bit about knowing yourself to be ourselves, we'll open the door to a lot of that stuff there and uh, get back in our power again. Yeah. And that's yeah. what this is about, empowering people themselves. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if I said this to you or to, yeah, I think I said this to you. I mean, that was the biggest thing that people said when they walked out of the sessions with you on the retreat was I feel empowered, like I feel back in my power. And I really felt like that as well when I saw you the week before. I could talk to you all day about this because, as you know, I'm a huge fan of your work. Is there anything else you feel like we've missed or you'd like to add before we finish up? Let me just check my little notes I put down. Uh, not really. Um, those things pretty well cover the things. Is Not to make it complicated, but to start to know ourselves to be ourselves and to learn how to protect ourselves from the vulnerable qualities, not to change ourselves. Because we're perfect as we are. And that's what this, that thing I said about the number of people I said, no, no two people are the same. We'll have similar complaints and ailments, the rest of it, but everyone has them for their own reasons. And one of the things I also use is kinesiology to the muscle test and that gives you a little insight into the body as well. So, you know, you said, what other modalities come there? There's lots of different, of theta healing, of kinesiology, of, sorry, the name of me, it's, but there's lots of different modalities, but ideally is trying them, but not to expect someone is going to heal you. What people generally do is open the doors up for you to do this stuff yourself. What I encourage you is empower yourself because we created all this stuff all by ourselves, which means we can uncreate it all by ourselves. As long as someone holds their hand and gives us a few little tools and techniques to go and do it. That's what coaching is about. Mm. Just showing people, you do this work, this, do this, you're going to get an outcome. And generally, people do when they do the work. And unfortunately, Rain, people want someone else to do the work for them. They don't want to be responsible for themselves. And that's that bit about I love and approve, love and accept, love and appreciate myself. I'm responsible only for myself. Mm. Yeah. Stepping into the driving seat for yourself, of yourself, essentially. Learn to take your power back. Learn to protect from your vulnerable qualities. Don't try and be someone you're not. Mm. Beautiful. Such a beautiful note to end on. Thank you. So I'm popping your contact details in the show notes. If anyone, I swear, at least once a week, I get someone messaging me on Insta saying, hey, can I have Jimmy's details, please? So yeah, I'll pop your details in the show notes as well so people can reach out to you if they're in Bali. And yes, yeah, so excited yeah. that you're going to be part of May next year as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. I look forward to it as well. So email or WhatsApp. WhatsApp's easiest because generally I can put contacts in, but I do the same with Zoom, with WhatsApp video or on Meet. So there's lots of different ways of doing this, but I encourage people, what I show them is their power, the power of words, the law of attraction. This is what we're not taught as children. We're taught to give our power away. Yeah. I encourage you to go back. 
And I would just add to that as well. I have worked with you mostly in Bali, but I did, I think I've done a couple of sessions with you remote during COVID Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was very powerful. So yeah, I would just want to underline that to anyone. They don't need to go to Bali to see you that that the work you do online is is, is incredible as well. The work they do is... They do is (laughs) incredible. Exactly. Good pickup. Thank you. (laughs) I don't have an ego, darling. I don't really need to be fed in that anymore. But the fact is, that's why I've done it for 40 years. I'll do it for as long as I stand and do this stuff because I love seeing people take their power back. And if that's what I facilitate to do, um, I'm richly rewarded in doing that. So that's the point of it. Either way, FaceTime or here, both are just as empowering, a little different how they work, but they're still just as empowering. And I often thank you for your lovely opportunities to do this and to expose myself a little bit more because that's not really my go. No, I love forcing you to do it. (laughs) Sharing your magic with everyone. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Thank you, Lorraine. Take care, darling, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope that you gleaned lots and lots of insights from Jimmy and really got a a flavor of the kind of work that he does. If you would like to connect with him, I have popped his number, reach out to him on WhatsApp and his email in the show notes for this episode. And reminder that I'm hosting my next Bali retreat from the 27th of May to the 1st of June next year. You can find out more and book your spot on the link on the show notes and Jimmy will most definitely be there with guests again next year. Also, just quick reminder, because we are heading into Christmas, I hope that you have a really beautiful Christmas break with your loved ones. And I will be back with you next week for a couple of bonus episodes for my annual, probably my favorite episodes to do every year, my highs and lows, my business highs and lows, and my personal highs and lows episodes will be dropping next week as well. So always love creating those and sharing them with you all as well. And if you are, as I said, heading into your goal setting over the next few days and weeks, you can get all my goal setting templates in my goal setting and goal getting playbook, along with a bonus audio mentoring pack valued at $29. So that's got pep talks and visualizations and audio mentoring guides galore to really set you up for your best year yet next year. So you can grab yours, lorraineMurphy.com.au forward slash playbook hyphen 2024. And I pop the link in the show notes as well. And very quick reminder as well about my bold brilliance two-day business strategy retreat that's happening in February next year as well. So lots happening over the next few weeks and months. I'm super excited. And so sending all the love, have the most beautiful Christmas, have a really well-earned rest, please eat lots of mince pies, get lots of sun if you're in Australia, stay warm if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. And yeah, I'll be back to you with my highs and lows episodes next week. Happy Christmas. I loved having you join me for this week's episode. Please do connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor and visit my website lorrainemurphy.com.au for tons of free resources and my reading list of all my favorite books. It would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe and share episodes you love with those that you love. Thank you for listening. Thank you.